You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Uh, as the president of the Christian Wood Fan Club, I'm doing pretty well, Eric. Um, <laughs> it's been a good day for uh, all of us uh, believers, true believers, true believers in, in Christian Wood. Um, all you Woodheads? I'm um, my... I'll, all us Danny Woodheads, Christian Woodhead. Um, yeah, although I will say the Bucks lose tonight. The, the very shorthanded Bucks lose tonight, 119-115 in overtime in OKC. No Giannis, no Bledsoe, no Middleton, no Brook Lopez. Um, it was basically kind of an insult if you weren't rested tonight, I guess. Like, that's just like if you mm-hmm. were, it, it means that the Bucks don't think you're good, I guess, if you didn't get rested tonight. Um, Other than like Malcolm Brogdon, like they needed Malcolm to just like survive. <laughs> They're like, hey, Malcolm, you're going to take one for the team because, you know, we can't function unless you're actually out there. Uh, and we saw that kind of play out in the first couple minutes. But yeah, I would say aside from that, they probably don't think as highly of you as they do the other players. Yeah. Um, but I, I still enjoyed watching the game because. Um, we're still early enough in the basketball calendar that I, I, I still enjoy any basketball. basketball is and, basketball. You know, it's it's always like when people get mad at in, in Vegas when there's overtime, uh, people in the preseason like get mad when it's like, you know, oh, we're going to go to overtime in this preseason game. Hey, man, give me more give me more basketball. I don't care if it's garbage <laughs> preseason. I mean, the lineup that the Bucks had out there for overtime was pretty much unwatchable. And like, oh, yes. All of the players basically were guys I was I'm like not particularly interested in, but um I was still I was still really hoping for a win, alas. They fall short. But Bud did his best to just tank the lineup in, in overtime, I guess. Um I'm, but still interesting. I'm curious a, for you. Yeah. Um from your perspective, do you think you learned anything tonight? I mean, do we ever learn anything in any individual game? Uh, I think especially this preseason with a new coach, I think you can learn some things. I mean, I think it's, it's, I think it varies directly with your interest in confirming or denying something. Right. Like I think, you know, yeah. on a one game sample size, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't know if, again, like certainly tonight, like should one game with very like limited talent on the floor. I mean, we should note Russell Westbrook did not play due to his injury um, for the, for the thunder either. Um, I, I would say, like, you know, if someone does something that they've been doing, then, like, okay, well, good to have, like, more affirmation of that. If somebody looks totally sure. different than what they normally do, um, then I would say tread carefully, right? Like, you know, yeah. two, of, two of the guys who put up the best numbers in tonight's game, Tim Frazier, 14 points on eight shots, hit some big threes, four out of five from three, five assists, hit the game-tying three at the end of overtime or at the end of regulation. Um 
so good on Tim Frazier, but like, I mean, we kind of have a lot of data suggesting he's not a good three-point shooter, right? Like that's, you know, <laughs> yes. so, so it's like, I'm happy for him that he hit threes. I was cool. I was rooting for him, but you know, am I now thinking like, oh, he's, you know, now a good shooter? No. Um, Christian Wood, like, you know, I mean, 19 points, 15 boards, three blocks, you know, had some good moments had some shaky moments so that's why that's why i wanted to ask was christian wood specifically because i feel like tonight was a night where i feel like i kind of in the idea of whether or not you're confirming or denying things like i think tonight confirmed for me that yeah if you put someone on him who's an nba caliber player like say patrick patterson I don't know if he's going to make much of an impact. If you put worse players on him, I think there's a chance that he makes an impact. Like I, I just think seeing that second half from him, like I don't know how much I felt like he did against the better players in the Thunder rotation and how much he did. I don't want to call it garbage time, but essentially like the second half of a preseason game does have a very garbagey time feel to it. Um, and it just felt like, Okay, like I, it to me it made me feel more comfortable with how I feel or how I already felt about Christian Wood, in that, you know, like he does some things that maybe means he has some potential, um, and maybe means I'm okay, like I, I think could be attractive in the fifteenth man role on a roster, um, but ultimately there's still a bunch of things that he doesn't quite do that well that you wouldn't feel very comfortable with him in the 11th man role in your roster. One day you might, but at the moment, like if you just need 10 solid minutes out of him, I don't know if you're going to get those in an NBA regular season game. And the reason I said is because with Tyler Zeller, it was kind of another spot where it's like, yeah, he's a role player. He, but you know what? He knows how to be a role player and like he can give you those 10 minutes. Like, am I excited about him as the 15th man on a roster? Not really. Cause like he, he's probably not going to play, but as like the 11th or 12th man, like, okay, yeah, he can give you some minutes. So I don't like, to me, it's just weird how, you know, how very different those two are. And, you know, there's probably going to have to be either, there's going to be some sort of decision uh, made about those two, unless the Bucks do something a little bit unexpected and like cut a guy like DJ Wilson um, or find a way to trade him for a top 55 protected pick or whatever it may be. Um, So I I don't know, like it just felt like, there was some confirmation of that, which made me feel good and feel like I did learn a little bit more, but also at the same time, I don't know how much that changed my opinions on either. Well, Patrick Patterson was playing in the first half of the fourth quarter and Patrick Patterson was also one for nine uh, for two points. And obviously it's not like Wood got all of his buckets on, on Patterson specifically, but um, I think either, either Patterson or Nerlens were in the game for most of when Wood actually played well. Um, I thought Wood actually got tired. He looked to get really tired sort of in the second half of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked pretty gassed um, kind of as, as the game sort of went on. But, um, you know, again, it's like I think the the refrain with, with Wood is like every game he goes out and puts up numbers. And every game we say, well, yeah, but, you know, it's one game. It's, you know, you're not playing against NBA competition. And then he goes out the next game. But it's preseason. He went out every game and he basically put up numbers. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, preseason or summer, sorry, summer league. Um and I was like, all right, well, you know, that's all fine and good. But, you know, 
do it when it matters, right? Or do it against real competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then scrimmage, okay, you know, just an inter scrimmage, scrimmage playing against Thon <laughs> for a lot of those minutes. So what does it mean? But, you know, he put up minute, he put up numbers against the scrimmage. And, you know, sure. we obviously didn't see the game against Minnesota, but um, he did some things in, against Minnesota. Uh, and obviously tonight he, you know, goes out and gets numbers again, um, playing against obviously a team that, you know, is not like full strength, whatever. Um, he didn't really, I mean, and when he was quiet, like he didn't really even take shots. I think he only took like one shot in the first, like probably 15 minutes of the game. So, um, you really yeah. kind of wasn't even particularly involved. Um, so I, I mean, it's just sort of those things. It's like, he's just sort of probably doing, you know, again, within reason, like kind of what he has to do, kind of all he can do, right? Like when he gets an opportunity, he goes out, puts up numbers. He obviously still makes mistakes. Um, he does, you know, he, he'll do some stuff defensively where he, you know, will block some shots make plays it's like oh wow nice and then other plays where you know obviously yeah he's not a great defender <laughs> you kind of see you kind of yeah. see the flaws right um and i think probably the probably one of the interesting things though about his preseason performance has been like he's been especially tonight i mean he was mostly playing as like a power forward with Giannis out starting in Giannis's place and um, obviously we talked in Vegas about like where he was playing mo- mostly as a center is like, well, what, you know, what does this kind of mean? Right. Can, can he be a four in the NBA? Um, does his lack of kind of perimeter game and kind of, you know, small skills hurt him too much to, to be that kind of guy? Is he going to have to just be a, a center? And I think, you know, our, our, our thinking was more that he probably would have to be like a, a light center rather than, um, you know, kind of more of a traditional tall power forward type guy with without lots of perimeter skills um so it's been interesting because obviously we've talked about the bucks have have obviously with their their roster construction have just sort of trended towards going bigger rather than smaller um and wood playing power forward kind of fits with that but you know it might not be a bad thing for wood playing the four more just because you know he's kind of showed a little bit about you know the fact that the bucks can still function and and he can go out and get his numbers and be reasonably effective um you know when he's when he's playing the floor um so i I don't know i mean i think again like it's just sort of again like you know um from a like confirmation type perspective like i think you know wood has a lot of momentum i would say in terms of just showing up you know every game from the summer through now and and doing things that i think help his cause and um you know we don't see him in practice obviously but if this is indicative of kind of also what he's been doing in practice, then obviously I'd say that would be a big positive for him. Right. Cause you know, every day is a job interview <laughs> for these guys who are, uh, yep. who are battling for this roster spot. Um, I mean, we should note as well. I mean, Tyler Zeller who started with, with Lopez out um, tonight, you know, Henson only played 15 minutes. I meant 32 minutes for Zeller who um, hit a couple of early threes, ends up with 17 points, four out of eight shooting, seven out of eight free throws, seven boards, three assists. Um, you know, I thought he looked very comfortable um, kind of, you know, playing dribble handoffs, making some nice passes. He had a great uh, pass to a cutting Dante DiVincenzo off the baseline cut in the first half. Um, you know, Zeller did nothing to hurt his, I mean, I think fans are going to be talking about <laughs> yeah. Wood because, you know, Wood is more fun. Um, but I thought Zeller, like, certainly did nothing to hurt his cause tonight either. And um, we saw a lot of Zeller and Wood ironically playing together. So, um, I, you know, again, kudos to Zeller as well. We've talked about how, you know, we, we like him, you know, as like a third string center type guy. If you, you know, if like you just had Thon Maker and Brooke Lopez, like Zeller would be a very like kind of safe 
obvious guy to maybe keep yeah. as, a, as a as a third center. But you know, again, with just the the numbers on the roster and um, not just Don and Lopez, but also Henson, um, it's it's just a tougher thing. So yeah, I mean, I thought Zeller and Wood both certainly helped their causes, and um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting because i mean it, um you know during the game i think we were both discussing and, and retweeted you know keith smith um on twitter reported that um the bucks are you know i, I forget his exact words but you know more or less the, the idea was that they've been impressed with wood and this i think this was before wood actually really got going tonight as well um but uh you know that that they're potentially uh, bucks are looking at options to to potentially trade out of some of the other guys uh, at the bottom end of the roster um and including DJ Wilson and, and the phrase that he is on the roster bubble, either via trade or potential waiver if a trade can't be found, um, which I thought is probably the most interesting piece of that tweet, right? Because I think Wood um, having an and he said he has Wood has an inside track for one of Milwaukee's final roster spots. That's maybe not necessarily surprising, just given sort of Wood's consistency and in, in being just generally a guy who has made a good claim for for a spot. Um, but I think DJ Wilson, who you know again gets hurt right at the start of the buck scrimmage and, and hasn't played since then. Um, I mean, we talked about being a big camp for him and, you know, just not being able to get on the floor and play. That's, that's tough. Um, that's, that's tough, but yeah. I'm, I'm still surprised. I mean, again, I think we've talked about like why, if you don't really believe in DJ Wilson, which I don't think either of us are particular believers in DJ Wilson, but <laughs> you know why, if you're not going to pick up his option, then, you know, why even, why even keep the guy period, right? It's not like a, a, a lame duck DJ Wilson is a guy that like is some, some real big value. Um, so definitely interesting to kind of hear, hear that possibility thrown out. Well, obviously we'll see how, how this stuff evolves and um, who knows, who knows what might happen from here. Yeah. I mean, as someone that asked me on Twitter, like what happens with the final roster spot? And it was just like, well, I want, like, I don't really know because you have to figure out how the organization is going to weigh all of these things. Like how do they weigh potential versus reliability? Like, I think that's kind of, at least in some ways central to the Zeller wood debate. Um, but, to some extent, as you've mentioned tonight, like Wood has been very reliable. Anytime you put him in, he's got numbers. So maybe that wouldn't be. Maybe that would be something that would factor into him. And then with DJ Wilson, you haven't really got to see him play. You've seen him be injured. And, you know, you have to ask, like, is John Horst okay with cutting his first ever first round pick a year after drafting him? That's, that's a question only one person can answer. <laughs> or I guess maybe multiple people in the front office can answer that um, because they would know some idea kind of what they're thinking about, but you know, like they have to make those decisions. So from the outset, I have no idea. Like I think we can look at this situation and say, okay, so you have a guy uh, in DJ Wilson and you have a guy in Christian Wood and well, I know one was picked in the first round and one wasn't and one's uh, your guy and the other is someone that you just picked up. But, you know, at the same time, would anyone at this point argue that DJ Wilson's 22, that a 22 year old DJ Wilson has more upside than a 23 year old Christian Wood? Uh, I don't think so. Right. Like, like no one would make that argument. So from our perspective, I think it would be very easy for either of us to say, okay, 
you can cut DJ. Like that's that's fine. Well, why why would you need to keep him around it if there's just nothing that you've seen at this point that that suggests that he can be a productive player? I didn't pick DJ Wilson though. So there there's no other um emotional entanglement that could get into this that you know could sway you in a direction that from the outside uh, appears to be uh the wrong direction. Like maybe that we don't know really like how does that all weigh in and uh, as a, we've mentioned a couple times in the last week like Mike Boonholzer is going to come into this situation and have no connection to anyone so uh, I think there there would be some some thought that he doesn't have uh, any sort of any sort of sway bias towards anyone outside of Dante DiVincenzo uh, because that that was uh, or I guess Dante and Ursan yes, and yeah, uh Ersan, obviously, and maybe Brooke Lopez, like any of the guys that are new guys, like those would be people that he could have some bias towards. So maybe he views it uh, without those emotional attachments. So like, I just think it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch because um, I think if this is merit based and only merit based, Christian Wood and Tyler Zeller are the clear options for the final two. And you find a way to remove DJ Wilson from the situation, whether that would be uh, a trade or whether that would be releasing, like you would do that. But at the same time, um, you know, all those things can come into play uh, when you're, when you're thinking in a front office and, you know, you have those relationships with guys that, that we don't, and, you know, we don't get to see practices either. We just get to watch what's on the floor uh, during games and, from the outside, we can make an appraisal, but but we have no idea what's actually going on on the inside. All right. Well, you're now behind a paywall, Eric. So I'm going to demand a, a fire, more fire take than uh, than you know the the diplomatic answer you gave. So let's say right now, I mean, we're almost end done with the preseason, right? Like it's kind of hard to believe how close the regular season sure. is. So there's not going to be that much more data that we can gather, right? We've got one more game left. Gun to your head. Let's take it two ways, right? Which is typically how we've done. I think we talked about this a, a while ago, right? Kind of under a similar thing. So gun to your head. Give me your prediction on what will actually happen with those last roster spots. And then um, gun to your head. Give me the Eric name. Here's what I would do perspective. And obviously you can, you know, throw some optionality about like, I'd try this. And if I can't do that, like trade wise or whatever. Um, and again, like we're going to be very violent and threatening on the Lockdown Bucks podcast and point guns at people. But that's <laughs> That's just the way we do. It's just uh, it's a hard knock life uh, here on the Lockdown Buck po- Lockdown Bucks podcast. Uh, so give me your give me your predictions, uh, or we can alternate or whatever. Um, but let's let's have the discussion because I think it's uh, probably the well I don't want to say it's the most interesting one. Certainly from a roster perspective, it's the one where there's the most at stake, right? Because it's the only one where it's like, is this person going to stay or go? But um, let's let's go with it for tonight, and um, I'll try to you know uh, temper my my Christian Wood standing um after after his big big number night but what do you what would you say is is most likely to happen and what would you do i mean i don't even think this is difficult and i don't think i was being particularly vague while i was just discussing that like i I don't think dj wilson is good I i don't think there's anything that would suggest he's good or can contribute to an nba team so i what i would do it would be wouldn't it would be uh wooden zeller like that would okay done 
it's easy. Like yep. to me, it, it, it seems very simple. So I, I hope I wasn't all that vague. I'm just trying to say that, you know, all these other things are going to go into it, whether people like it or not. So as far as what I think happens, I think DJ Wilson remains on the team. I think Christian Wood gets the last spot. And I think Tyler Zeller is asked to leave. <laughs> It's just the way you phrase that. Ask to leave. I just pictured it as like a reality show. Tyler, please leave. <laughs> you, you, did, you did not get a rose tonight, Tyler. Please leave. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting question. I, I actually, I, it's an interesting question. Who who would be more likely that you could um, give away? And with, with Zeller, it's kind of irrelevant because he has a non-guaranteed contract, so you can waive him and then you don't owe him any money anyway. So, um, you know... Sure trading him for like a top 55 protect pick would just be uh, i guess sort of a courtesy to some team maybe i guess because the bucks you know again top 55 protect picks are code word for you're not getting anything for this guy um but uh and, and keep in mind they gave up an actual second round pick for tyler zeller six months ago um or eight months ago whatever uh so that's that would not be good value even though uh, maybe they got a little bit of value obviously from zeller last year um and that's why we didn't like that trade um, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting question. Like, is there even anybody out there, you know, who liked DJ? Let's say, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure some teams like DJ Wilson at some point in the draft process. Sure. Um, you know, and it's hard likely to in the second round. <laughs> didn't the Nets, didn't the Nets supposedly kind of like DJ Wilson? Um, Maybe. Uh, there's probably some teams that thought he was in the twenties, like a reasonable potential option, maybe. Um, and so it's kind of interesting questions like, does, you know, but after like basically not playing at all for a year, um, like have, has, is there just anyone who would still basically take him on his rookie contract? Cause I mean, keep in mind, I mean, he's, he's obviously not being paid a ton of money, but you know, if you want to keep him beyond this year, you have to pick up a $3 million player option, which is or team option, which is, you know, more than a minimum contract. So, uh, in a time where teams are so, um, you know, sensitive to to salary obligations and things like that, um, you know, I mean, if to to take him on at this point, you know, presumably you're only going to accept him if you're willing to pick up his his uh, his option for uh, the 1920 season. And so, I don't know, is anybody that interested in DJ Wilson to basically take him on a two year guaranteed contract, even if it's only you know a few million bucks? I don't know. You know, I, I, and it's just sort of, it's like the things is like, what does DJ Wilson do? You know, like that's kind of the scary thing, right? Cause mm-hmm. I was thinking about it today. It's like, I, I don't know if I've ever been less enthusiastic a guy about a guy who like, if you just sort of dissect his game, it's not like he's just, you know, like with Jabari, like you can say, well, his defense, he's like the worst defender in the NBA. Right. Which we've, we've seen more yeah. and more evidence of this preseason um, with DJ. It's like, he should be, um, at least a mediocre defender, I guess. Like he doesn't have much strength, but I mean, he moves fine. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he, he shouldn't be a terrible defender. And offensively, it's like, I don't know, when you look at what the Bucks asked their, you know, their their power forwards to do, I mean, can he do those things? Occasionally hit a three? Like, he should be able to do those things. But mm-hmm. like, he plays like with so little, I don't know, like there's just like nothing, there's, it, it just, it, there's it, no decisiveness very, to what he does. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like there's no there's no force, there's no power. Yep. Um, and again, like you don't need to play with power, um, even if you're a power forward in the NBA, right? But I, I don't know. It's just like it's just like you watch him, and we haven't obviously had that much chance to see him. 
But, you know, just given he was never a great college player, he was always basically just a role player in college. And you watch him in Vegas and, you know, from little chances we've seen him, I mean, it's just like, what is, is this like, is there like, what scenario out there is it where you're like, damn, we blew we cut him, man. Wilson yeah. after, after um, a ah, DJ Wilson turned into a really, you know, it's just like, it just doesn't seem like there's a universe where that happens. And I don't know, like I'm, I, it's weird because I sometimes check myself because I become like, so I, I, I became so negative on him, like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And a part of it's because like, I just, I literally like never even thought of him as being like, I don't think we mentioned his name once leading up to the no. draft. So I had no, I was, we, neither of us was like vested in him at all. Um, and so when it was like, he got drafted, it was just sort of like a record scratch, like, wait what? is that that guy from michigan yeah. um and you know he plays the same position as the bucks super duper star so there's like no illusion that he'd ever be more than like a bench player basically so yeah it's just such a weird uh, it was always a weird like pick it was a weird situation and like really from the start he just never really kind of showed you that he had that sort of you know kind of mentality um, like jason kidd made fun know. of him when they announced the pick <laughs> Like that was a thing yeah. that happened. Like, yeah. Right. What? How? <laughs> Why? Like, how How can you make this pick? And then 15 minutes later, or whatever it was, an hour, whenever we got to talk, like, you just, you just made fun of him as a rebounder. Like, that was a thing that happened that night. And, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I think the big thing to me is that the play that I think of when I think of DJ Wilson is, a catch by the three point line and then taking a dribble into a step back. (laughs) And I mean, when, when we talked about him getting drafted, like the thing was like, okay, can he become a good three point shooter? Because the way for him to become an effective NBA player is to shoot 35 plus percent from three, be a stretching, like stretch the floor guy, be a, a stretch four. You can go out there, shoot some threes. And, you know, maybe if you can't rebound that well, you can move your feet a little bit defensively, yeah. do some switching, like yeah. all of those things. Like that was his path to becoming an NBA player. And after a year, we've never seen him be. Like I said, he's not decisive. Like when he gets an open three, he rarely takes it. And that's the big thing is like, okay, if that's what, if, if your one path it, to being an NBA player is this, maybe you should do that. And it just seems to, you know, there's some missing connection there where he's, he's just not that player and he's not going to do that. So uh, when you were talking about universe versus that happened, like, I don't know if he gets a coach that tells him shoot a three every time you touch it, like, maybe that could work. And I would assume maybe that's Mike Boonholzer um, because Bud does like to shoot threes, but also I could see DJ hearing, Oh, you know, everyone's got to be able to pass a little bit, shoot a little bit, dribble a little bit and thinking, okay, every time I get, it, I got to put it on the deck. Like I could see him thinking that as well. So maybe Mike Boonholzer isn't perfect, but uh, I, I totally agree. Like when you think through, when you think through possibilities, there's just not many that exist where you're like, man, that was a really big mistake letting DJ Wilson go. Uh, and again, I, I'm I'm not trying to bury the kid after a season. Like, you know, maybe he does figure it out. But at this point, he's given no evidence. I don't want to say little to no, no evidence that, that he can become that player.
Yeah, and I think the, I think part of the appeal, or, or like, I think if you had a, an optimistic view of DJ, it probably had something to do with the fact that, like, well, you know, he was really a wing kind of growing up. Like he, he was more of like a small forward type guy. Yep. And you can sort of see, like, I think he still has a little bit of that mindset, especially when he like tries to attack. Like he's, you know, settling for mid range jumpers and things like that. And it's weird because he just cannot beat guys off the dribble, even though he moves pretty well. And he is a pretty good ball handler for, for, you know, a six ten six eleven guy, but like, it somehow just like, doesn't ever translate. And I mean, this is mainly based to on summer, but yeah, it just doesn't really translate into him ever being able to beat anyone off the dribble. And, you know, he's not really strong enough. Like when he gets into that, like, like what is a good example, right? Like, what is one of those guys where it's like he's kind of wiry? He's not like a guy you'd look at and say, like, oh, he's really strong, right? Or he's like, you know, some like bulky guy. He's not. But when he drives, like, and this is a little bit like, you know, kind of the, you know, homeless man's Giannis sort of thing coming in. But like when he drives and he gets like within three or four feet, like he's he's putting his shoulder into you. He, he has like just that athleticism, strength, will, whatever you want to call it, that he, you know, combination of those things that he will go up and, He'll dunk it sometimes. He'll finish through traffic sometimes. He'll draw fouls. And like DJ is kind of like a real like start comparison where it's just like he's the guy who just gets like basically muscled off and, you know, is, is moving away from the basket and just kind of can't can't get a shot that that's, you know, a high percentage shot even, you know, I mean, really, he doesn't even yeah. get that close to the rim. And so. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just interesting because, um, you know, as you said, I mean, this, you know, if, if he was. If he was the the pick of the previous administration, then I think it's probably a lot easier to just cut bait and say like, all right, you know, moving on with our guys. Uh, and to some extent, there is a little bit of that because of the you know Mike Budenholzer slash Mike Budenholzer um, personnel power kind of dimension to this, right? As as you said, he's DJ is not a Budenholzer guy, and only you know the guys that came in this summer, you could argue, have you know obvious sort of ins with Budenholzer. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question. I mean, you know, and again, like, I think it's fascinating. I mean, we've, you know, John Horse um, was the protege of John Hammond, who cut bait pretty quickly on on some high draft picks, right? I mean, he yeah. traded, traded E. Jen Lien, who was from the Larry Harris era, like a year after, you know, basically one of his first things he did was trading E. Jen Lien. Um, and then, obviously, Joe Alexander, his first overall, his first draft pick, um played one season was disappointing and then didn't set foot on the floor his second season for the bucks. Yep. And so um, I think certainly there's a chance that there are some strong parallels between what happened with Joe Alexander uh, and, and DJ Wilson. And obviously Alexander basically, I think he was, I think he, that second season, but he was like hurt. And then, you know, I think he went to the G league at some point and then, but he never played in his second season with the bucks and then was traded to uh, Chicago in that John Salmon's trade. So yeah, um, yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting question. Like, is DJ Wilson going to last longer in Milwaukee than than Joe Alexander did? And and I don't know. I mean, maybe there is some narrative where DJ Wilson can, you know, maybe he you know keeps a roster spot just because of you know basically being born on third base when it comes to like yeah. roster entitlement, being a first round pick. Um, and then maybe he somehow proves himself and gets, you know, I don't, but it's like so weird to even talk about this. Like, Oh, maybe he gets an opportunity. Like, how is he going to get an opportunity? <laughs> like, yeah. like you'd have to have a bunch of injuries just to, for him to even have an opportunity. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're burying DJ Wilson. And um, I, 
I think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, my, I would say, yeah, I would keep Zeller and, and, uh, and would, um, I think it's inter- one interesting question, right? I mean, Budenholzer is starting the Bucks two best point guards together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the upshot of that is you basically like Del Vidova is effectively your only bench point guard. Although, do you think? Do you think point guard even matters to Mike Budenholzer? I mean, it should, right? I mean, I, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean like having there. talent, but I feel like the idea of, I mean. I wrote about it today at the Athletic, but I mean, pretty much everyone blasts out on rebounds. Like, if you're playing one through three and you get a rebound, like you just go. Like, there's there's very rarely uh, a time where you're like, oh, I need to find the point guard. It's just like, okay, we're gonna run now, and you know where the five blue squares are on the floor. Find one of them. Uh, and then, then we're going to get into our set. So that that's the only reason I ask is uh, I don't. I mean, I, I know someone has to bring the ball up the floor every possession, but I'm curious how much you actually think Mike Budenholzer cares who it is. Well, I mean, I think the. I mean, I think like after a made basket, like I, 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 let's just say this, like um, in like a big game, I I'm not like somebody who would say that. Uh, I'd want, you know, Dante DiVincenzo because Delhi's hurt and you're starting Brogdon and, and Bledsoe that I'd want Dante having to like bring the ball up under pressure or something like that. But you right? can stagger him so it doesn't happen, right? Yeah, but I mean, at that point, well, I mean, this is the whole reason why I don't think Brogdon should start in the first place because then yeah. you just don't ever have to deal with all this and you can just not play Delavadova if you don't want. Um, yep. So I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. It, Anyway, bottom line, I mean, I think Frazier has been fine. And I actually, I mean, I, I, I kind of like Frazier. He, and, and part of this is just because, like, I think he had some solid games against the Bucks, And I think I had him in fantasy one year when he started them games. I think it was New Orleans. Um, so I have probably maybe an inflated view of, of Frazier. But, I mean, as we said, I mean, he's done nothing to, you know, hurt his case here uh, For in sure. the preseason. So, like, is there some universe where you know, Frazier could actually make more sense as like a point guard, you know, for point guard depth, I guess. Um, But, you know, I mean, you can always probably find a, you know, a a backup point guard, you know, off the street if if you get a bunch of injuries. Although I would say, I mean, I think Tim Frazier is, you know, he's better than Brandon Jennings, right? He's better than some random guy (laughs) that you can probably find in the G League in, you know, March or something. So, um, so yeah, I would say, probably keep Zeller and um and obviously Wood I'm I'm clearly going to keep Christian Wood um and then yeah I think uh, and and uh, yeah, Shabazz like um I you know like just I, I feel like I keep seeing like references to Shabazz like oh being in the mix for the you know final round I've had multiple like, people ask me that on Twitter and it's just like right. what are you talking about no yeah like shabby mo I can't figure if I like shabby mo or shabby hams as uh as my preferred nickname for for shabazz uh, <laughs> just just like a picture of some shabby hams just some like yeah some, some ham that just isn't doing well it's shabby um, yeah sure shabby. um yeah i i just like why like what you know what and again like i get it like you have a bunch of big men so why keep two of them um and again you know whatever but uh i mean they're the next best players yeah, and and Mohammed just like he's not good. Like we don't we don't need to say anything more than that. He's not good. Yeah, 
doesn't fit with Budenholzer. I mean, he's like the anti-Budenholzer, right? Like, Correct. Um, so, how was he on the baseline again? Like he somehow found himself on the left baseline for like the entire game, and it was just like, dude, there's no way Mike Budenholzer told you to do that. Like you just decided that you were going to go to the spots that you like and throw up lefty hooks because that's yeah that's you, and you can't help yourself. Like what coach wants that? It, it felt like the Bucks overtime was going to live or die with Shabazz Muhammad shooting <laughs> contested like lefty hooks from like nine feet away. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I but I am feeling more and more optimistic about Wood, and um, I think if uh, I mean if Wood is like released, uh, the, um, okay. So let's not let's not bring in Wilson to the mix. So just the last roster spot, like, do we feel pretty confident that we think it's wood? I would think so, especially just because you you have depth at the five and Zeller can't play four and would, you know, especially given like there's no confidence in DJ as a backup four. So, I mean, yeah, I, I know obviously there's not a lot of minutes at the four either, yeah. but, um, but you can, you can at least, I mean, if, if you had to play a regular season game tomorrow, what is your third string center or sorry, your third string power forward. It looks like, you know, yeah. and again, like you can go small and play other guys at the, at the, at the four as well. But um, he's, you know, I think he's behind Ursan and Giannis, but you know, I mean, he's certainly your third, your third four and he can play with Giannis. I mean, he did that the other night, um, you know, you can play him as a nominal center too. And so he does bring, I think you some, um, some lineup versatility that you don't get with, um, with Zeller and again like Lopez obviously is you know strictly a five Henson strictly a five Thon should strictly be a five uh, and we're not even you know going into playing you know Giannis and, and Ursan at the at the four so or sorry at the five so um, so yeah I, I think Wood just makes makes sense and and again I mean like I, I don't want to overstate like Wood's quote-unquote upside like you know Wood is not going to become an all-star or something like that no. um but can he be like a productive, you know, useful guy off the bench? Yeah, I think he can do that, you know. Yep. Um, and and realistically, like if he does well in Milwaukee, like maybe that's just a stepping stone to going to some place where he could actually play more because he's clearly not going to play more with when Giannis is healthy uh, or play a lot when Giannis is healthy in all likelihood. Um, but you know, whatever. Like th- these are the, I mean, these are kind of the things, right? Like good good teams find these random guys and turn them into, you know, slightly positive assets. Like maybe also, Wood is an effective guy at the bench. And then, you know, you're, you, you can throw him into a deal as like a marginally like positive asset rather than like, Oh, can we give away our first round pick from a year ago? Or like, do we have to eat his salary? Yeah. <laughs> it's like very different. Also good teams have that as their 15th guy. Like think of Bucks teams of the past and like what they would be going through. Like Christian Wood would have been, Thinking through last year's team, what, like 11th or 12th on the roster? Maybe, uh, yeah, probably 11th I mean, or 12th. He's, like, he's better than Thon Maker, who played, who started at center for much. Okay, of so maybe, maybe 10th. Like, yeah. ju- just think about how drastic this is that, you know, we're sitting here on the podcast sweating out whether or not Christian Wood can make the 15th spot on this roster when he would have for sure made the roster last year. Like I would better no doubt or like, Oh my gosh, look at this 22 year old that you can have on the roster that might be able to give you some minutes and have a little bit of upside. Like I, I just think 
And again, I, I know that it'll still mean that people are going to get excited about it because, you know, there's only one roster decision and maybe, you know, you can add in two or three or however you want to look at it. But like, it's only like really one roster spot up for this. And that means we just spent a whole podcast talking about Christian Wood and DJ Wilson and Tyler Zettler. Like that, that's, I mean, that, that, I think that says something about the Bucks depth and, um, you know, Ed, I think that means you're in a good spot overall. Yeah, and again, we should also underscore, I mean, depth at 11 through 15 generally doesn't help you that much unless you just have a lot of injuries. Depth from 6 to 10 certainly can help you a lot, right? Like if you have, you know, if you have like multiple guys on your bench who could like seamlessly start for a lot of teams um, or, or have like shot creating abilities rather, you know, it's like one thing if you have like, you know, like Tony Snell type guys off the bench who are kind of the role-playing starters. But, um, and that's, that's why I like the idea of, of bringing Brogdon off the bench just because he brings more dynamism than, than a typical bench guy would. Yeah. I think um, we need to talk through all of that for like a podcast. Like you know, we, we haven't really had that discussion yes yet. Like it just kind of happened that, you know, all of a sudden we started playing preseason games and look at that. There's Malcolm Brogdon in the Bucks starting lineup. So I feel like we should probably spend a longer amount of time on that rather than uh, just tossing it at the end here. Um, maybe that that's what we can do tomorrow. Um, for now, anything else way, you're thinking about this game? Yeah, I mean, we need to um, acknowledge that secret Dante uh, hit a, a three that I saw with my own eyes in real time. Same. Um, of course, the downside is he was three out of ten um, from the field. One out of three from three. Uh, did score 12 points. He did He did make five out of five free throws, which is good considering he has kind of a sketchy free throw history. Um, so kind of like a, I don't know, it kind of felt like a typical Dante DiVincenzo Bucks game in that he missed a lot of shots, but kind of did like kind of interesting things, jumped around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, also like, Come on, he played 25 minutes. Why? Why is he not playing in overtime? Like, what do we? What? What? You know, I mean, to me, that like maybe also just sort of telegraphs that Budenholzer actually plans to continue playing him a fair bit because mm-hmm. it's like if you thought he was just going to be like a marginal bench guy, whatever, then you're probably trying to get him game. reps. Yeah, you're probably trying to get him reps, and instead, um, they went with a pretty scrubby, scrubby lineup. <laughs> a pretty scrubby lineup. Um, okay, so with Dante. He's got to get rid of that flip shot that he does. Like I, I someone, uh, our friend Paul Pressy twenty five um, from over at Real GM tweeted this at me and said that there's a little bit of Brandon Jennings in it, and I actually thought, you know what, that's a pretty good comp. But uh, it's when he gets to that middle range by the basket. And, you know, like he knows that he can see the shot blocker coming from the other side. So he's not going to get all the way to the rim. And he knows that he's like on the run. So he's got to create a shot here. And he doesn't go with like a, a floater where it's like overhand. Like he just like kind of puts the ball out at the side and like flips it up. And like, you know, if you're shooting a layup, that can kind of work. But if you're like nine or 10 feet out, like that's just going to bounce off the rim a lot of the times. And it's like insanely high like variance. Like uh, you don't know what's going to happen with that shot. And um, the Brandon Jennings comp I thought was apt because, you know, you think about Brandon Jennings in the first month of his career, like all of those flip shots were going in. 
It was like, oh my God, this dude has incredible scoring skills. And now you've seen Brandon Jennings for the last eight years, like never make those and be a terrible rim finisher. Like that's uh, when you're thinking through Dante DiVincenzo, like all of the, I think there's like some nice, like secondary playmaker stuff that we've seen out of him. Like the butt screen pass that he had today, I thought was, was great where he found Tyler Zeller stuck his butt out to make sure that no one could close out on him. And he got a three and assist out of it. Um, But you know, overall, like he does have to hit shots at some point. And we saw one of those tonight, which is good, but we need to see some more of that. And then, you know, like getting a step on a guy is great, but getting a step in finishing is the only thing that matters. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's something we talked about with DJ Wilson, but with Dante, it's going to be even more important that he finds ways to score uh, in those situations. When he does get a temporary temporary advantage, he's able to take, uh, you know, he's able to get a step and then you got to find a way to score and not just hope that someone's open so that you can get an assist out of it. So um, I think still more to watch with him and and kind of see what he can do. But uh, the secret Dante three, um, you know, it was nice to actually see it with my own eyes. Yeah. I think with DiVincenzo, it's kind of interesting because, um, and, and, you know, we joke because I mean, Connaughton also was like a guy who put up, you know, like nuclear athlete uh, vertical numbers at the combine. Yep. Um, and with Dante, it's kind of interesting because offensively, I feel like his athleticism doesn't really pop. Um, like I think his quickness think it, does sometimes. His, his quickness can, um, and and it helps that he's like a pretty good ball handler and and has yeah. like a good sense of for for passing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when you describe him like going to the rim, like he's he the, the short arms and the lack of kind of like power, you know, like. He's not like I, I, I have a hard time like picturing him like, you know, just regularly like just going up and dunking on dudes through mm-hmm. contact or something like that. Right. Which, again, if you're a six, five guy who's like got some insane vertical, like you, you should, should do sometimes. Do that occasionally, right? yeah. But it doesn't seem like he has that much strength. Um, and so it kind of neutralizes like whatever vertical he might have in an empty, you know, gym jumping up against um what is it, the vertex machine or whatever they have. They call those those yeah. little things you slap. Um and but it's it's like weird because normally when you look at guys who have like big verticals normally it like it's more like you can see it offensively and then defensively you know if you're if you have a big vertical and short arms like it usually like really hurts you because you know length is always there you you don't have to load up to to have long arms they're just always there so as far as like contesting shots deflecting passes getting rebounds like being long is generally a better thing than than having just like more vertical like I'd, I'd always trade like standing reach for vertical from a defensive perspective right because it's just you just lift your arm but you don't have to like you know jump and, and move and, and and react um but with dante it's like kind of weird because like he makes he makes like it feels like he makes more athletic plays defensively than offensively which seems like kind of yes. backwards to me and like he's like trying make, to block shots and stuff and it's yeah. like what who yeah. taught you that like yeah what? like he he goes up and like gets like big rebounds in traffic yeah. and you know he'll like block shot we saw him block a shot at the at the rim and, and do kind of things and so yeah it's he's just a yeah he's just a weird, he's weird. player um and I, I mean i think the one thing we probably all agree on is like if he doesn't make jumpers consistently, like, I mean, his value is going to be severely constrained, right? Even if yep. he does all these nice other things, I mean, if he's like a 30% three point shooter with a 47% true shooting or something, you know, 
I mean, you, you're going to have a hard life if you try to make it as like the white Marcus Smart, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that, you know, I, yeah. I don't foresee that being kind of Dante's path to to success. Um, Man, a so, Dante J.R. Smith fight would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. We um, I was workshopping some some Dante uh, nicknames tonight, other than Secret Dante. I will say I hate Big Ragu. I think Big Ragu is dumb. It, I'm not a fan. It's it's like Big Ragu. Come on, whatever. Um, he is from Delaware, and so I think some like his high school coach nicknamed the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Um, but I I've come up with the more humbling nickname of uh, Delaware Dova, um, <laughs> and I feel like. Uh, the next the next time somebody calls on the Michael Jordan of Delaware, then I think we gotta call him Delaware Dova or Delaware Dova Wear. Um, although I think Delaware Dova is is probably a more more apt one. Um, so if he ends up just being like a tryhard, um, you know, token white guy who uh, <sighs> eventually makes too much money, he'll be. I'm he'll so be happy you didn't workshop that with me beforehand because yeah, think- uh, that was a genuine reaction to hearing that for the first time. Well, the, oh. one you, the one we don't want to hear, the one we don't want to hear, if he goes down as another bad 17th overall pick for the Bucks, then we don't want to be calling him Devon Shenzo. Um, <laughs> because Rashad Vaughn, I was shocked that Rashad, but he got picked up on like a random training camp deal by the Mavericks the other day, um, which kind of surprised me because it's like, I I don't feel like Rashad Vaughn's ever going to be on an NBA active regular season roster again, right? I mean... I, I don't know. I I, yep. I mean, it's amazing. Like he's still super young, and I I just feel like he'll always have that going for him. <laughs> he'll, he will always be. He'll always be super. <laughs> be super young. Um, he's like the Rashad Vaughn is the um like in Days and Confused when when uh, Matthew McConaughey talks about liking high school girls. That's that's Rashad Vaughn. He's like he will always he, stay the same age. He, he get older and he stays young. Um, he's always <laughs> young. Always has has room to grow. So. Um, anyway, Dante, hope you, uh, hope you end up getting a, a better outcome than that. I think somebody, uh, I think, uh, Josh Semrau, uh, frequent, uh, tweeter at us. I think Josh suggested, and I'm sure somebody else has thought of this. If he actually starts making threes, not secretly, then, I mean, I would love to have an excuse to call him three Vincenzo. Um, yes. but let's just say we're a long way from being able to call him three Vincenzo, or I think Josh also suggested three and D Vincenzo. Sure. But, you know, that at, at this point, we're not need big. to see both of those things yeah, first. Exactly. Um, okay. I think that's going to about handle it for this uh, recap of this game. Uh, if you would have told me that we were able to record 45 plus minutes and Giannis, Chris, Ursan, Brooke, Eric, and Thon didn't play tonight. I would have told you you're crazy, but you know, we're full of surprises. So uh, that's going to be it for a lockdown bucks for tonight for Frank Madden. I'm Eric Bain. This has been lockdown bucks. We'll talk to you later.